0: Emmanuel, Anthony, brother, thank you so much. Great to have you here. Thanks. Uh, you know what? We were just having a conversation for the
1: people joining, and um, we were just saying that these conversations and podcasts have taken off now. Like if you put a microphone in a room like 10 years ago when we were just having wine and talking, uh, especially in uh, Simon's little studio space, if he hasn't told you about it, <laughs> it would have it sold out. Like Joe Rogan, watch out. I reckon they, they were the conversations to be had.
0: Yeah, I was, I was chatting to a few people recently about, about that era of time and just the um, the kind of, uh, as you were kind of alluding to before, the artistic expression that was happening um, in that space, uh, which was a kind of a warehouse style apartment in the middle of the city. What, what was a cool thing about it, it was right in the middle of um, kind of not, not all times of the year, but there were certain points of the year where it would sit right in the middle of kind of like the cycles of the sun. So you'd get this direct sun through the front. Of the house, and then in the afternoons would darken. So it was this really quite wow. strange balance of, of energies in, in the space. It's almost like a ju- juxtaposition.
1: It's just like these two extremes, and then you got the art in the middle as well, which would make the art look differently. Because uh, we're doing like painting in our house now, and we do test spots in different rooms, and it looks different depending on like which room you put the color in. So I could imagine that that would also, for the artwork, completely change the mood of some art pieces as well.
0: Completely, there was, there was a, I don't know what the landlords how happy they were to be honest with you over the time. But there was one era that we um, gutted the place, and there was a, a, a an artist who ended up um, uh, Sean Park um, ended up uh, moving into the attic space upstairs. And he came downstairs one time. He said, "Man, do you mind if I just stay here and sleep next to my art?" And I'm like, "You just do whatever you want." <laughs> and so, and this was, is the- was that the reason
1: why there was so much art up there when I did my photo shoot.
0: Yes, that that's right. So the, the photo shoot was during the studio time, and so that's that was the end of the era of that that space. Um, and he was, so the one was that, that his room. He lived was, that, up he, there. was he still there? He lived there in the attic, When I yeah. was there, yeah.
1: So, so I was just—you didn't even tell me. You were just like, "Dude, go go do a photo shoot." and We're in this guy's
0: bedroom. It, it, that was part of the lease <laughs> agreement, they were, it was a it was a rented <laughs> space. There was like six or seven artists that would rent desk in there, but he's just, he was, a um, um, you know, he was, a, he painted as an artist. So he just decided, Simon, I need to be around my art all the time. Can I just sleep here? And I'm like, yeah, but this is a studio space. You know what that means. He's like, no problems. I'll just leave. And people can come and shoot and, and whatever it might be. But um, that was a yeah, that was a, a really interesting time. And that, that whole space of five or six years that I was in that space, um, there's a real there was a real um, uh, duality to it all. You know, in the sense things got quite dark and heavy at times in that space. You know, with with all of the things that were going on. But just such a beautiful opportunity for creation and you know rebirth. I guess you could say at the same time.
1: Yeah, for those of you that um you're obviously listening, you've never attended that apartment before. Um, I when I went there, I was just saying off camera, like you walked into there and i I grew up in suburbia. That's what I did, that's where my parents were from. I'd only ever seen apartments like that in like movies for, you know, New York or San Francisco or something like that. So when I walked into there, there was just this vibe and Simon and I knew each other from nightclubs and things like that. So The minute I walked in there, it changed my interpretation straight away because I was like, nah, nah, he thinks different. There's something else here. And then, um, you know, one... I think it was one glass or bottle of wine turned into another, and the conversation started. And um and yeah, and our friendship changed from that point because I could see that you know being a graphic designer, somebody that was into art, and still today, um, very much into that, just in a different form. Hmm. I, I felt there was something really special. And then obviously, I did my photo shoot there, so I was into bodybuilding at the time, and um, you know, like five percent, six percent body fat, and went in there, and <laughs> it was, oh, it was amazing. I still that's my favorite photo shoot because. You've got this guy that walks in that looks like a bodybuilder, and then we put that into an, an art space, and then turn the body into an art form. And it wasn't what people were used to seeing. And I still have people come to me and say, "You know, like, can you do a photo shoot for me?" This, nice. I don't do that anymore. But yeah. they just they found inspiration in in po- portraying the body as a piece of art and something different.
0: Yeah, it was a it it was a strange time even for my life because I think at the time I was essentially. And I've done it a few times now, oddly, where I've moved from, say, corporate spaces um, into nightclubs and hospitality and then back into a corporate space. And I was transitioning out or had just transitioned out of a, a, a kind of a corporate environment. And I was considering myself as a, a producer at the time. I was producing short films and, you know, producing different different photo shoots and, and these kinds of things. Um, and I was really just about creating space for people to you know find their um you know creative or their 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 inner light you know that part of that authenticity where they can create something that's kind of um you know authentic for them and evolving and and that's what I was really just interested in is just helping people shift into um you know their own creative pursuit I guess you could say and by the end it was a a a room full of you know maybe I think it was six to eight you know, artists and designers and photographers and, you know, it was just a a, a cacophony of, of creativity, you know,
1: I'm not surprised. I mean, I remember having wine with you one. then. I think one night we had a few people with us and, um, you know, it was just, I could stay in that space for a long period. I mean, at some stage I had to kick myself out and say, like, this guy does go to bed at some time. I know he works at nightclubs, but during the week he may have a decent regular sleeping timetable. uh, (laughs) And you were working on, yeah, and you were working on some business stuff. So I was like, you know, I should but Um, it was a beautiful space and uh, it says a lot about you know the reason why you can create the company that you have today and things like that I think you think outside of the box you see opportunities Um, we both do Uh, it's obviously the reason why um, you know we've gone through similar journeys at similar times but you know I've loved the journey I've loved the journey
0: yeah man I've been I've really um, uh, really loved watching yours as well and and it's it's really interesting to watch um, you know people transition their lives or, or move into those next stages in life um and you know re, the rebirth that kind of comes from that and I, I was kind of that's probably I guess on some of the things that I was really interested to kind of chat to you about today obviously your work is is one of um the big points for today and kind of digging into all that stuff but where, where did it come from for you like where, where did that kind of start the the transition I guess you could say into you know what you're doing today and what led you into all of those things
1: So it started in grade four, um, or four years old, actually, pardon me. I came to Australia when I was four and I spoke fluent French. Um, I didn't speak any English at all. So when I started going to school, I I wanted to socialize and connect with the other kids, but I, I, couldn't do that. And, um, as I went to try and socialize, I found that, and it's something that we know now, um, if one of your senses, you know, see, touch, heal, taste, if one of them goes slightly off, your other senses actually sharpen up. It's just um, part of nature. It's making sure it maximizes your potential for survival. So for me, I became quite observant of everything and I started studying human behaviour. I didn't call that at the time. For me, at the time, it was uh, simply just copying. And I would take the kids. Obviously, I wanted to be uh, socially empowered. I wanted to be popular. Um, I wanted to have a social influence, all of the things that were voids at the time. And today, I teach a subject called Human Values by Dr. John D. Martini. and your greatest values come from the greatest voice, that of which you perceive to be most missing. So... So I had this um, huge void for socializing, but I couldn't understand 100% whatever i was saying yet because I was still learning. So one of the things I did was I observed the most popular kids. And if they said things, I would look at their tonality, I would look at their hands, I would look at their body posture, and I'd replicate whatever I saw them do. And then I would, as I learned how to speak, I'd learn how to speak, but also by doing it in a way where I would then have a look and use everybody around me in the whole world as my test audience to see how they actually took in that or consumed what I said and whether it worked or it didn't work, whether it connected me to them not so, so that was the first aspect and then as I went through primary school in grade five and six uh, in the seven areas of life um, you've got physical, financial, mental, spiritual, social, vocation and family um, I was disempowered in terms of my voice uh, so self-worth um, I was disempowered in terms of expressing myself and physically as well so you could say um, uh, spiritual which is the most authentic. I call that the most authentic you and expressing that and I was scared to get hit punched or anything um, and that led to the second void of uh, wanting to get as big as I possibly could. So I wanted a social power and I wanted to be as strong so the world wouldn't mess with me. But as much as I ran away from the challenges on the outside world, when I got home, I'd have challenges with my dad. And in Mauritius, uh, when he came here, it was a third world country. So if you messed around, it was a school of hard knocks. You get a good punch in the face. Um, and, um, and that was my world. So as much as I tried to run away from the challenges on the outside, I just faced them on the inside at home. And uh, so then I started bodybuilding. And, um, you know, as I went through high school, I, I always wanted to socialize. Once I learned English, I just wanted to move up the ranks. By the time I went to high school, I discovered extreme, I went from the bottom of the food chain or the pecking order to the top of the food chain and high popularity. Um, so I got that popularity thing done and that void started to come down a little bit. But then I didn't have the body that I wanted. So I, I worked on that. And By the time you met me, um, I had, you know huge popularity i started doing doors at nightclubs um you know my facebook was you know starting to know that you can only have five thousand friends but like in two years i just blew up so when you're doing the door everybody wants to add you um over the weekend and um there was just this part of me that was missing and it was that no matter how much i looked like i was shining or growing on the outside i had this popularity and all of that on the inside, I had two major challenges. One, which was an ex-girlfriend that had cheated on me and I'd never been able to get over the emotions um, and it took me three years to figure out how to do that. And the second one, of the emotions around my dad. And if anyone did anything that reminded me of that, that would trigger off certain responses. And you've got one aspect of that. And then the second aspect, which is popularity is booming. I'm in front of people almost every night of the week. And you know um, when that's occurring, I'm realizing, shit, like, can I swear on here? I'm guessing I could. Yeah, whatever um, you like, man. Yeah, okay. Good yeah. shit fuck now i that you mention it, no. yeah. So um so I'm seeing these two extremes and I'm just thinking, ah, there's I can't bring those two together. If something happens and I end up losing it or something like that, that's that's not gonna that's not gonna work out well Davis. for what I've spent years building. Mm-hmm. So then I started studying personal development, reading books. I didn't have a lot of money at the time, um, so you know hadn't figured out how to save and anything. So I started seeing Tony Robbins, Deepak, anybody I could on any of their free workshops. Most people didn't know about that. Um, I just would start putting posts slowly on Facebook and one post turned to sharing everything I was learning. And, and back in those days in Facebook, you could, put, you could put 20 posts, it went out to everybody on your Facebook. So yeah. people would say to me, they're like, you know, Jesus, or well, your stuff, is, we see five or six of your posts every day. So it's like advertising. I'm not paying for it. They mm-hmm. obviously figured out that and now they've got advertising. Yeah, <laughs> algorithm's reach. Are a
0: little tighter uh, these yeah, days. Yeah, they a little
1: tighter <laughs> these days. But um, I just saw it as my own ad station. But then in all I also wanted to review my life. So I shared everything I was learning so I could go back to my own Facebook and have a look at it. So anyway, I'm going through that transition. And then one day uh, a friend of mine says, um, says I says, I, you know, he brings me, he says, I'm going to go see a guy called Dr. John D. Martini. You should come. I said, have never heard of the gentleman before. I said, all right. So I went to this workshop and he introduced me to a friend, George, and, um, it was three blokes and we were very blokey, a lot of testosterone between the three of us. And, um, you know, I, I was, I was probably a little more arrogant than normal that day in terms of how I was building myself up. And, uh, Dr. John D. Martini went, and spoke on stage and, um, I'd never heard of anybody communicate the way that he did on stage. He went from physiology to psychology to biology just in one sentence. And I, I the funniest thing was what came to mind was, dude, I don't think you're allowed to be that smart. I've never actually met a genius before. And, I, and it would take me five minutes to decipher like 20 seconds of what he said. Mm. So I was always catching up what he was saying. And he said, I've got a process called the Demartini method and I can teach you how to dissolve any emotion that you have towards anybody. And I guarantee that if you come and attend my workshop on the weekend, I'll show you how to do that. It wasn't that weekend. It was a weekend workshop and George turned around and he was kind of on the left of me and he sat me on the shoulder. He goes, mate, we're doing that. And you know, because I was puffing myself up. I said, yeah, mate, for sure, of course. (laughs) And um, at the end, as they do for a lot of these things, they say, "Uh, well, now we've got a deal for you, first 10 people, blah, blah, blah. You know, it's usually 4,000, but we'll save you $1,000, whatever. So George gets up, taps me the shoulder, and goes, we're doing this. And I stood up and go, for sure. And I'm sitting there going, what are you doing? I've got like, you know, At best, $10 in my bank account. I'm about (laughs) to sign up for free grants and something. So we walk out to the back and uh, we're signing up and I'm sitting there going, how am I going to pay for this? And then in the midst of that, George also goes, hey, the first one's in Perth We're in Melbourne. He goes... Let's just do that one because then we can do the first one. And I'm like, even better. My <laughs> head's going, why would you chuck no a, a couple of extra grand <laughs> on a flight? I didn't even know what Perth really was at the time. So I That's just a knew it really, it, 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 it's, it's a longer flight than, you know, Sydney or something. So I signed up and, you know, and that was part of the first valuable lesson, which is that, um, you know, if your car loan is due, if your um, rent is due, all of the, we find money for those things um, mm. and we make it work. But it was one of the first times that I'd taken something that was really for me and then had to go out and find the resources. And it was always there. I just had never pushed myself. But I wanted that. So came up with the money. Anyway, went to the workshop and then just some interesting synchronicities started to happen. The first one was uh, usually at these kind of workshops, when it's we went to free ones, people were ready at the door the minute they opened it, everybody ran in. Now, I was there early because I was going to get my money's worth. <laughs> I never paid that much ready, I want a free coffee. Gonna, I'm going to take some biscuits I, I, yeah, with you. Yeah, I'm taking everything. Like, <laughs> it's like going to a hotel and you just take what you can. You know, I was yeah. like, I'm getting all the value and anything on top. But I was at the front. George said, I'm going to go give us some coffee. So he went to go downstairs. And then I opened the doors and nobody noticed but me. And I thought, and there was easily about 50 people at the front. I thought, this is odd. So anyway, I walked in. And, um, and I said, I'm not running to the front. I'm not, I'm not that guy. And I start walking. And then I look back when I'm like one third of the way through the front. Nobody's seen. Mm-hmm. I get about halfway. I turn around. People have now turned and seen me walking in. And then by the time I see that, I would screw this. I sped up and got right up to the front. So John would be talking there. The, the stage is under three quarters of a meter from me. And I'm dead center. So I'm thinking, okay, that never happened. Save George and myself a seat. First day, learn the universal laws and learn the D Martini method. I put my dad on the table and I said, "I'm going to do this method inside out. I'm going to give it everything I've got." Because he said, "I'm going to dissolve every emotion." I've got 25 years worth of stuff, and I want it all gone. I didn't know how, but this guy seemed to have a way. Well, within it was four and a half hours, I let go of everything. Uh, to this day, every emotion along my timeline, every single event, balanced permanently in for life. Every bit of anger, sadness hurt, fear for any trait action or anything he did was dissolved. And I remember the last penny dropped. And as it did, this thing I could never get rid of because the things that you're most charged at occupy time and space in your mind and your body and you can't get them out and they get triggered. I'm going into them and trying to find the charge and I can't find anything. My heart is full of love. My body's tingling with gratitude. I'm feeling a sense of enlightenment. My shoulders are light. And as that last charge occurred, I looked up and the whole space just went, the best way I can explain it is for anyone that's done MDMA, that's exactly what it felt like. I I can't explain it any other way. Everything just went soft. And as I looked at John, my inner voice came out and said, that's what you've always meant to do with your life. That's, that's it right there. You're meant to be sharing um, what most inspires you in helping humanity to create the changes that side. So just had tears because I knew that this moment, this is where I was meant to be at that moment, having that realization. So, Uh, fast forward to after the workshop that's saturday sunday get home now i've learned about disease i've learned about being your authentic self i've learned about symptomology and anytime you're not being your most authentic self you're going to have feedback procrastinate hesitate frustrate headaches all kinds of symptoms to let you know you're not being who you are but when you do what you love and love what you do you're organized disciplined, reliable and focused five hours feels like five minutes time and space shrinks instead of expanding so i realized it's all feedback and I'm in my, my bedroom at my parents' house and I'm kind of just sitting in the bed. You could say like a, sort of a yoga style position, it's dark. I don't know why I had, my, I was very cinematic now that I think about it, but I'm sitting on my bed. I've just attended this amazing workshop and I'm thinking, what do I do from here? Because I'm a graphic designer mm. and I, I like that, but this is my inspired destiny. And as I did that, a part of me said, who are you? You're not Dr. John DeMartini, you You're not Tony Robbins. You're not anybody, mate. Who's going to listen to you talk? And, um, and just, you know, shove that right down. And as I did, I imagined projecting myself 30 years into the future doing graphic design. And there was just no energy left. I just felt like I could do it. But, you know, I, w- I, wouldn't, I wouldn't have a lot of energy in me. Then I imagined myself at 100 years old speaking in front of people and sharing my inspired vision. And I had more energy in my body in that vision than I'd ever had in my whole life. And I can't talk about this without really feeling it.
0: Mm.
1: The minute I saw that, a voice came to my head and said, "I'd rather live my life moving towards standing up than living on my knees." Yeah. And uh, another set of words that my mentor, Dr. John D. Martini, said, um, "Don't let anyone or anything including yourself get in the way of your inspired mission. Let neither pain nor pleasure get in the way." And I dedicated myself from that task. I, I don't know how, don't know when, um, don't know where, but every day by the interest of the future, I'm gonna, I'm gonna work a little bit towards this vision until I make it a reality. And two years later, um, just by five jobs, then four, then three, I just kept working it out. Um, today, probably 11 years later, I've served thousands of clients and this is all I do full time. So that's that's how that mission came to be.
0: It's amazing that thank you for sharing that it's an amazing um amazing story and and you know it must be powerful um because it's something that i would i would consider that I'm still working through you know um personally is finding that alignment and doing this is kind of part of that process that i'm that I'm going through and you know there's a lot of resistance and things that still comes up and and what have you going back to that thing that you were talking about around you know in that moment when you're at the at, at the seminar at the conference, and you know you felt that shadow that trauma that those past experiences literally shift in that moment, what do you think it was about that because I find still now i've done i've done intellectually quite a bit of work i'm finding more space to um, go into those spaces and bring those elements up to learn about the shadow. You know, the lockdowns were a great example of, of having an opportunity to do that. But what was it about that particular situation, do you think, that shifted it in a way? Like, you know, and the next part of this question is, you know, do those things still come up for you? Like, is it no. is was it something that... Permanent, permanently done. So in the last 11 years, I've been doing comparative study.
1: Um, so I've spent over... Three hundred. We think about $325,000 um, going through field to field, just learning. And mm-hmm. as I did, I realized that there's a hierarchy. Um, and people don't want to hear about the hierarchy, uh, but at the lowest forms of hierarchy, you'll have religion. Because uh, religion works within polarization. This is good. This is bad. This is right. This is wrong. Um, and a person wants to better themselves. So they start off at the lowest spectrums of that, and that looks like a great idea. Mm-hmm. Um, But then as they start to evolve, they start to notice that within that kind of thought thinking spectrum – there are some challenges that come with it as well. I watched it with my father. Uh, don't lie, don't do this, don't do that. But they're all human traits and uh, there's a universal law that every human being is every human trait. Every trait is conserved. they are conservation laws and energy. We can never gain or lose a trait. It just transforms in space and time. So the more I set an unrealistic expectation, the more I'm going to beat myself up and decrease my self-worth and minimize my potential instead of seeing the uh, divine hidden order for what things are. So then I moved up and then there was... NLP, Tony Robbins. People think that's the highest spectrum. It's actually the lowest. Um, and this was a lot of positive thinking stuff. Sure. And uh, yeah. to the yeah, to the degree that you exaggerate the positive and minimize the negative, once again, you just set a different un- set of unrealistic expectations. Um, I've done videos about this. People call you a good person when you fulfill their values. They call you a negative person when you challenge their values. the universe is made up of complementary opposite sets of values. Every time you're pleasing somebody, you're putting somebody else's down and you're pissing them off. Since you can never, ever please everybody without minimizing yourself and having that as a sacrifice to it, and even then you're unauthentic because people find out, you may as well be authentic in the process and piss people off while doing what you love. Does that
0: make sense. Yeah, it does so, as a recovering people pleaser. Yes, that does make sense.
1: Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. No, I'm not. I'm. I look for equal exchange. But if all you want is what you want over that, then I'm glad to let you go yep. because that, that's just the way I run my relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, people have to work to get themselves out of my life. But if they work that hard, I let them. I let them go. Yeah, um, I find relationship
0: then, is an interesting space for that as well. It's quite um, uh, enhanced, you know, the opportunities for that clarity and that understanding of yeah. shadow as well. well Well, relationships are
1: nothing more than advanced growth. People don't understand this. Um, The universe is nothing but a projection of our inner self. We don't see the world as it is. We see it as our um, repressed and owned parts equally. So when you have a partner, unlike a friend, I may speak to you every now and then. So you're, you're a mirror that's really far away. Mm. But a partner's right here. Mm. And um, I think it's going to be audio and video. So for those in your audio, I've got it right in front of my face. So you turn around and that freaking is there, consistently reflecting the parts that you dislike and like. There's also another universal laws through quantum entanglement that explains the fact that the universe is made out of pairs of opposites. And every time that you play with one side of a frequency in an atom, the other side equally at the same time brings that back into balance at the same moment. Not a second or minute or hour. Less. So the universe is constantly in a state of balance in this um, beautiful flow of equilibrium. Mm-hmm. So what does that mean in terms of relationships? Whatever you're suppressing and unaddressing, you attract a partner that has the opposites, and you're a pair of opposites in a yin-yang to teach you how to love those other parts of yourself. And the mirror is there because it's trying to get you to do that to the greatest degree. So whatever you run away from, you run into and freaking date. That um so that lower spectrum, you have um, you then you start to get into NLP, psychiatry, psychology, and all of these to me, as I went through there, people were doing a lot of talking, but not many results. And mm-hmm. results in my field means that you've got emotions towards something, they have to be permanently done and gone forever. Mm-hmm. If they're not, then there's an there's it isn't an equal exchange in that. Once I discovered the D Martini method, blew my mind. All my client results went up by about eighty percent. All of a sudden, not only was I teaching people how to completely dissolve their traumas, I was guaranteeing it as well. Um, mm. So that was the difference. It was the power of that method. And, and I haven't seen anything close to that since. It's the reason I specialize in that. I just had a, had a client call me this morning. She was learning the Martini method. And she was balancing the perception of loss of a friend that she had. And um, this is a client that when we first spoke three months ago, said, my whole life's in disarray, and disorder, and yada, yada, yada. And um, her voice is just, you can f- feel it and hear it through the phone. And she goes, oh, I had so much fun balancing that. I can't believe all of the new friends that have come into my life and have replaced her that I wasn't even aware of. And all of them actually aligned with my values. And the reason that her and my friendship ended was because our, our values were clashing. Mm-hmm. And I was comparing her to a fantasy of what things used to be, but it wasn't even that good back then. But that fantasy was killing. So she could she put the puzzle pieces together for homework and balanced it herself and then rang me to tell me um, that that was done. And her and I have worked on like three other things, but that that's special to me because that's true empowerment. When I hand it to my clients, and now they've got it for life, it's like I'm always there with them.
0: Yeah, that's a true. That's a true uh, coach or leader or teacher. You know, is the empowerment yeah. of the knowledge, not holding the knowledge and being the the gateway to it, but also that empowerment of it um, back back that. And so that process is that. Is that you were calling it quantum entanglement? Is that so? Yeah.
1: So it used to be called quantum entanglement. It's now called the De Martini method, um, and the De Martini method balances perceptions um, and guarantees that it's absolutely you can you can balance grief um, anywhere from half an hour to three hours, um, and that's done. A lot of people think that there's a five, I think five or six stages to grieving, and all mm. of that. It isn't. the The body expresses itself through well being, wellness and equilibrium and that's when you have your high state of wellness and your immune system is high and that's at a balanced um, ecosystem that's when your central nervous system and autonomic nervous system are running at a one-to-one balance Right. But whenever you exaggerate the positive in something, infatuation, or exaggerate and resent something, they occupy time and space in your mind, psychology and thoughts, and body, physiology and emotions. And they're expressions from your body to let you know that the autonomic nervous system is usually it's the fight or flight. It's over expressing one side and they express themselves. All emotions are chemical and hormone distributions through organs. Right. So if you have anxiety, for example, and your heart's going 10 times more than what it should per minute, Your body has to feed back so that's why the greater the degree of polarization in your perceptions the more that's going to occupy time and space in your mind it's your body and your mind's way of saying you're killing us internally and we need to give you this feedback in order to let you know where you need to bring equilibrium and that's what the process done it brings that equilibrium right back
0: in that's kind of moving from the the sympathetic to the parasympathetic nervous system kind of concept like bringing back into homeostasis
1: yeah yeah 100 yeah and and there's a thing called ratio of perceptions that i teach my clients and anybody can do this if if you think of something you perceive that you have a trauma towards in your past go into that moment and then just take a sheet of paper and write all the positives on one side and the negatives on the other and i guarantee your negatives will outweigh your positives and then if you take the ratio of them so if it was 25 negatives and you had um, five positives you're seeing it at a one to five ratio that also lets you know the degree of which your central nervous system which is your brain after it perceives it is then sending that down to the autonomic nervous system and then which side's more active than the other and then if you know what emotions they are you know what specific chemicals are going there so if it's a uh, anxiety it's adrenaline to the heart for example so this is all science this is all stuff that's been out there for a long yep. time yep. I know and, um, to this. yeah and, and a lot of different sciences put it together really well but they just they don't have a process to for people to be able to complete that, and for me, that's a problem. i been mean, speaking about this openly for years, and a lot of um, I, I've had I had a lady that came in top of her class in psychology. And she had emotions towards her father that she had repressed and held on to for years. And we found out that her void in that created the value for psychology was actually due to the imbalances for her father and the emotions she never knew how to manage. Mm. And she got into it because she actually wanted to balance her own emotions. But after being top of the class, she'd never let go of it. She was in her 30s. Mm. In two and a half weeks, we let go of the major triggers. And in three and a half, we had the whole thing done. Mm. And um, at the end of it, she said to me, you just did. She's what I spent seven years trying to figure out. You just did in three and a half weeks. She so said, I have no clue what you do, but I have a lot of respect for who you are. And she's referred a few people since then.
0: Yeah, look, well, and I want to dig into this process a little bit the, the Demartini method, because its I went through an interesting thing. Um, you know, I'm finding myself go through these kind of five year cycles. Of growth, if you want to put it that, whether it's just a determination of time that I've put into the world, sure. But it's I felt them in a sense, and the first one that I went through, I really um, spent time, you know, um, learning the theory is the best way of putting it. I became very intellectual. Intellectually spiritual. Um, you know, quickly I, just jump in there
1: and just say something to the audience. I'm only going to sh- cut you off for two seconds. Sure. Uh, intellectual knowledge of an application leaves somebody that's too smart for their own good because then <laughs> you, ha- you understand. And this is what happens in psychiatry and psychology. They'll say, Well, that's your shadow. I said, Great. Now what? And I go, well, yeah. that's what yeah. it does. And I said, Okay, cool. Go to column number two, of the D Martini Method Form or column number nine. Um, own reflection and transparency that what you see in others is equal in you. And, um, that other people see it too, complete that column. That column will ask you, when, where, who, and whom? So when have you demonstrated and displayed what you see in others? Where have you demonstrated time and space? Because it's a science. So we need a time, a location within time, yeah. and a space, bedroom, house, et cetera. Who did you demonstrate it? And who else saw you do that? And you keep doing that. It could be 100 or 200 times until you can 100% see that what you saw in others is inside of you. That is a process. And when it's done, the column finishes at the bottom by saying, can you now see that you equally own what you um, see in this other person that you're charged at in quantity, the amount mm-hmm. of times and quality to the degree. So now it's taken the theory and giving it an applicable form and a person will do that. And then they'll go, they'll have two feedbacks there. Psychology and the mind will go, yes, but not as much as they, okay, you've got to keep going on quantity. Keep going, keep going, keep going. Or, Yes, but not to the same degree. Okay, you've got to keep finding quality now. And that method forces you to sit down and see it and turns that theory into application, and now it's done. So that's, that's what needs to be held accountable until my industry is held accountable to that. We have a lot of people that are not getting... This is equal exchange for me, right? Pardon yep. me, I ended up going on a tangent. You didn't know know. I'm, I'm ready. <laughs> the gloves are off. Um, if you and I went and ordered a pizza... You get a pizza. That's it. And at no point could I hand over money and I say, where's the pizza go? Sometimes you get it. Sometimes you don't. It's just the way it goes. <laughs> but in a lot of forms of um, where people go to get mental health, and this is where they put in the work, not just somebody walking in and not doing any work at all, but they're yeah. 100% committed. Mm. They hand a professional, which is somebody, the professional is the highest level of getting something done compared to an amateur, which is somebody that can't. Correct. And they, they're there talking about something for two years, and they never resolve the emotions. That's an amateur, pardon me. That's not a professional.
0: That's no, not I don't care
1: what. Yeah, that's not. I don't care what their qualifications are. You're being taken for a ride, and it's not equal exchange. That's not getting the pizza. My mm-hmm. industry is no different from any others, and I and I really wish there was a regulatory system, but there can't be because. Um, some of the most respected aspects of the practice are the ones that are creating the least amount of results and have the most amount of money on their side.
0: Well, look, you could you could you could put the whole mental health continuum into that bucket. Essentially, at this point, when you look at mental health services and treatments, yeah. and you know that they don't hit the mark. You know, we were talking about this on the last two podcasts with a, a doctor, uh, Alana Roy, um, and yeah, we were digging into it to exactly that that kind of lacking.
1: 80% of my clients, 80% of the conversations I have on the phone when a person first introduced to me, I ask them, "Where have you been before, and what were you not satisfied with?" Mm-hmm. And I have a list. And this psychiatrist, this psychologist, five counselors, one lady that came and saw me. And this is an out of arrogance comparing what I do to them because it's not me; it's the science of the method. Sure. Um, I, I utilize strong science and stuff that actually works because I got I got to wake up in the morning and when I have equal exchange where a person creates a result, I love what I do. Because my day can be anything from first client in the morning with dissolving emotions because somebody was raped by three or four men. And then the next one's a business um, associate that wants to um, increase their money and double the business. But then after that, I have somebody that doesn't know if they want to be in a, a relationship or not. And they're considering a divorce and they want clarity around that. The next person just wants to dissolve 20 years worth of emotional baggage. I work in all seven areas of life. So when every person is getting a result on a weekly basis and what we came and set our agenda to like any proper business and acquired that I can get up every morning and do that. But if I had to listen to people talk about the same thing every day and not get a result, I just don't understand how I would wake up in the morning. It would be a very depressing experience for starters. But secondly, I would feel like I'm using those people and taking advantage of their money. And I just do not understand that because in the work that I did as I was going through those comparative studies, I just got anything that when a client a hundred percent committed and did the work and they didn't get a result, I felt that that was on me. And then I had to, I had to upskill. It was mm-hmm. then my client's results became, what my qualifications were to me. So that's why I just started going, yeah, screw that qualification. I'll take a little bit of what works. What's the next thing? And just keep building, you know, quantum equilibrium.
0: I think a lot of great, great masters at anything, great professionals at anything do that, take bits and pieces from different processes and evolve them into their own. Um, But, you know, I was thinking then, pretty Good business model if you keep people in their trauma cycles, and um, it is, it's, it's a great
1: because you because it's a subscription service. It's the same, you know, I've been I got invited to Queensland to talk about um use over abuse in terms of pharmaceuticals, yeah. Because right. in 11 years, I've had that many clients that came, I so say 80% of the clients that come on pharmaceuticals aren't on them by the time we come off because mm. by the time we work on their major traumas or whatever we're working on. And then they go and see their doctors, their doctors work with them and they slowly get off their meds and they go, I'm not feeling the same way I was before. What, what the hell? And the problem is that you have perception, which is the way you see and perceive things through the central nervous system. Then that communicates through the body and neurology and the autonomic nervous system. And then you have symptom because a symptom is a direct correlation of the chemical and hormone distribution and what emotion or emotions you're experiencing. So the root cause is a perception, but the symptom is what's being addressed by a lot of pharmaceutical companies. So it's like, I'll oh, take this and you won't feel the symptom anymore. No, no, you're still feeling that symptom. It's just been overridden by this next, this next pharmaceutical that writes it out, but you've got to keep subscribed to that because a I minute mean, it's like saying, let me give you a drug addiction on top of your depression. And then, clients that came to me and you know they used to tell me this on the first conversation i tried cutting cold turkey so that wasn't a smart idea if i decide to have 20 coffees right now that's not a great idea because that's caffeine which is this chemical substance in a in a 20 minutes or something we're going whoa this is too much for me i can't just click my fingers and go oh that's enough and get back on my day so no that substance has to clear my substance and system and depending on how long i've had it and how powerful and potent it is might depend on the strategy in which they have to do that so Seeing clients do that, I can see a system that is far more about abuse than it is about use. It's far more about finances than it is about looking after people. And I, I can say that because in thousands of cases, they doing hundreds of them every year, just seeing what people are able to achieve and the time frame in which they're able to do it, it blew my mind 11 years ago. It still blows my mind today, but it's become a hell of a lot more of a normality um, in terms of being able to actually work with somebody. Um, I had a a gentleman that's doing the photography for my wedding, good friend of mine. And um, he recently went through a divorce and I said to him, "Um, look, you've been telling me about this for months on and off. Let's work something out together because you're doing my wedding, but I can help you with a problem here. I, I want you to do some work with me and let's, let's communicate about it. We took every negative thing that he could perceive that he was holding onto in relationship to that and had that all done in four hours last week and um, that was on a Friday on a Saturday I got a message he goes I can't believe how light I feel because I feel amazing And on Monday we spoke again he said let's do this dance for Thursday he said um, he goes let's let's finish off and complete the rest of the emotions why would a person need to go on a huge amount of pharmaceutical meds and he could have done that he could just walk into certain places and got that immediately if he just said the right um, trigger words for them um, but he didn't need any of that so I think I don't have an issue with pharmaceuticals I think but we should be Using them as a last resort, not a first. Yeah, time, time um, and place.
0: Like I think for time for, and place. Yeah, for people, you know, going through, you know, chronic or trauma or, um, you know, and and they're not processing day to day. Then there's yeah, I, I understand turning the guide off makes makes sense for a period of time. Um, what I found with my personal experiences in those worlds is there is no real succession plan to move away from those substances, not in the general continuums that are there. and oh, I've seen it.
1: I've seen it as well. I had, a, I had a close friend of mine that when he got off five years later, he goes, and the last five years have been a blur dude. He goes, you know. think you were yeah. talking to me? He goes, and I was high almost every single, he goes, I go to work high. I drive high. Yeah. He goes, I got used to covering it. So it looked normal. But I have mm-hmm. to tell you feeling what I am now, I was a space cake. And he yeah. goes, and this is a guy that once again, he worked with me on some stuff as well. Um, when we finished working on it, he goes, wow. He goes, I I just can't believe the difference. And I said, I'm not saying those things shouldn't exist. We need to push the boundary with as many aspects as possible because as human beings, we need to advance in as many areas as possible. That's the only way we're going to have maximum survival. But I just feel that we're, we're, as a society, there's two aspects because we have companies that are pushing it onto people because it makes them more money. But then we have people that are openly willing to do that and have a fast you know, temporary solution instead of a long-term answer. And then, like you said, there's no answer. Just a year later, you're like, hey, how long am I taking these for? I'm a little out of it. This is mm. starting to impact my relationship now. It's like, oh, we can get you stronger stuff. It's like, no, that's not what I asked her. I said, when do I get off these? Oh, we don't, we don't have a plan for that. And it, that's when I start to go, hold on, what's the impact on the liver, the kidney, the body, the mind? It's, it's your seven areas that you've got to assess mm. when putting anything into your body.
0: Yeah, look, 100%. In in, in a sense, you know, yeah and you know I'm not I'm not qualified for the conversation but it seems to me that medicine in itself in a lot of respects is built around that nearly society in a in a lot of respects is is built around the quick fix and around the the quick dopamine hit of the gratification you know you could nearly call it that that you know masculine um, archetypical energy that we're kind of in that space of just reward and recognition and and get the quick win you know everybody Everybody get the jab, right? But no conversation yep. around mental health, no conversation about immune system build. You know, there is nothing else in, in the oh. current paradigm anyway. You, know? you just nailed it. So
1: the we have two aspects of the mind that are very important. We have an animal mind, which is the amygdala. It's yep. one of the most prehistoric aspects of the mind. It's emotionally driven. It only sees either positive or negative. And the animal mind, the animal wants to seek pleasure and avoid pain. It's hedonistic in its living pattern. And uh, then we have a more evolved part of the brain, and the more evolved part of the brain can see a balance. This is a synchronicity and a synthesis, and it can see create plans for the future with looking at both sides, and that's rational thinking. And the yeah. word rational comes from the word ratio.
0: Prefrontal cortex,
1: the forebrain, yes, right. Yeah. And the forebrain has the ability to take pairs of opposites and bring them into balance and equilibrate emotions, so you're centered. Hmm. And um, in If you go back to ancient studies, the reasons that they always looked up towards the angels in the skies, because that was known as the higher mind. And the higher mind is Ah, what I'm talking about right now. And that was celestial. It was out there and it overviewed everything and you could see the hidden order and everything. And then we as human beings were terrestrial animals of the land and we couldn't see the hidden order and everything uh, was trial and tribulations for us. The quick fix lives in the animal mind. We want a quick fix without looking at the long-term solutions. I haven't put a pharmaceutical in my body for 11 years. um, And I can't remember the last time I got sick. Prior to that, I would put every pharmaceutical, legal and illegal, in my body. And I'd almost died eight times um, throughout my life and was constantly in and out of hospital. It wasn't until I met Dr. John D. Martini and a lot of other mentors, and they taught me how to self-heal and look after my body. And since then, um, it's, it's been a complete opposite of that um I, I remember last time i had a cold last time i had a flu the only thing i have all year is um hay fever but once again i don't put chemicals in my body i eat organic food our yep. water system is cleansed through the whole house because your skin's your biggest organs even our showers um are pure water we're going to have vitamin c to that soon uh, all right so hey, i'm working yeah. into
0: that at the moment with just yeah. water intake and you've done that through yeah, the whole a- house
1: Yeah, ask me after the show and I'll get the missus to (laughs) um, send you the details for what we did. But your skin's your biggest organ um, and if you can strip everything in there, you can then actually go the other way and start to add like vitamins and things into your water. And um, because people will do it with their drinking water, but then they won't realize and I'll have a shower a couple of moments later, and then they're actually putting the very thing on that they didn't want to put inside oh. of their body because it's soaking yep. it up. Yeah. So, and uh, my fiance works in fashion, and she works with textiles, and she gets sent overseas, and she studies the impact of um, what the clothes that we wear in fast fashion do to the body and cancer and all of that. So she understands all of those links. So that's alone why the it,
0: deodorants the and the creams, water. and you know, yeah, all those other elements, toothpaste, you know, oh, all of these things
1: same thing again I, I don't put deodorant on um i use soap uh only for under my arms and private parts that's it the rest i let the body wash itself yeah. um a lot of changes i wouldn't recommend anybody uh just go and live my life my life is very different but um my minutes. system's so high after mm. 11 years that i feel you know even with covid and stuff people say um you need to get the vaccine i said why? I've got one of the strongest immune systems I know um, in that. So I can't imagine this thing impacting me um, yeah. at all, uh, whatsoever. And I said, I don't even get a cold or flu. In, in fact, um, when I was in Turak, I had an office in Melbourne, and clients would be about a meter away from me. Right. And I would have clients consulting with me from 8 a.m. in the morning, sometimes I'd blow up until 12 at night. I just worked all, all day. And I would have anywhere from one hour to one and a half hour consultations and clients, you know, imagine 20 clients in a day, um, back to back, one after the other. And in flu season, people would cough and sneeze and everything. And they'd come to me and I, re- I remember it because people would come and say, I'm really sorry, I, hope I don't get you sick. I don't get sick like that. What do yep. you mean? I said, I don't get sick by you coughing onto me. Your germs would be getting onto my skin and my body, but I don't get sick that way. I said, how mm. do you get sick when my immune system is down? And they go, well, yeah. how do you... I go, how do you control that? I said, there's a few pivotal points that I learned from my mentors and I applied them into my life. Number one, control my psychology. If I'm not managing my emotions, then that means that my body internally is running a race all day. That's why if anybody's ever been highly emotional in a day, they emotionally drained at the end of the day. You didn't run a marathon on the outside, but on the inside, your organs did, your heart was racing things like that
0: disease creates um, disease right that that yeah d- disease is
1: a body not at ease yes and disorder yep. is a body not at order and yep. the body expresses disease and disorder as a feedback to let you know that um and intuition does that intuition is revealing where you're not seeing the other side to try and help you create um uh, a balance inside of you a lot of people don't realize that so i got a question on intuition
0: more- for you in a moment but keep yeah. going
1: uh, yeah, remind me because I'll talk about that. So that's the first one, psychology. And yeah. the next one is physiology, what you're putting inside of you. So um, if you are putting or, you know, you don't have to eat organic, but the healthiest food you possibly have, water instead of other sugars, now you're not beating the body up. So you're giving it a chance to do what it was naturally meant to do and look after you. So if you're looking after psychology and physiology, now if you do one of those without the other, it's like being on a treadmill and eating a donut at the same time. You can run as hard as you want, but you're not going to outwork the donuts if you're putting them in um, really fast because if you're, not working on your mind, but you're trying to pull this healthy stuff in. You just, you're just killing yourself on the inside um, as much as that. And the body goes through stress. And when it goes through extreme stress, it shuts the immune system so it can send energy to those other areas. And that's when you end up in that state. Next one is not doing what you love. And that will lead to the mental and the physical as well. And it's symptomology. But when you do what you love and love what you do, you have eustress, where you look for big challenges and you'll take on support and challenge yeah. time and space shrinks five hours can feel like five minutes you do what you love love what you do you have attention surplus order yeah. um, you have information retention order where you're able to retain information because neurologically your body takes whatever's highest in your values and creates myelinates the um uh, the pathway so that you can send information that's why if i ask you about an area that you love it's like a game show you can't wait to come in and answer but if i ask you about an area that's lower in your values i could have spoken to you about five minutes ago you can't remember that i even said it because it it cuts off any kind of neurological <laughs> connections for what it doesn't need. So if you're not doing what you love, that's the third thing. But if you yep. do those three pillars, I found time and space rings. You live highly inspired and authentic. On oh, if you also manage and balance all seven areas of life and set inspiring goals while mm. doing that as well, you do those four. You rarely ever sick. That's what okay. I found. I rarely ever get sick.
0: Look, you're, you're accessing um, higher. Slash altered state zones, you know, you're talking about, you know, flow state, essentially, you're talking about accessing, you know, um, and, and maintaining the flow state cycles. Um, like well, this. All, all flow
1: state is is um, your ability to take both sides of what's occurring and flow with both and when you're doing what you love you'll flow with both a challenge occurs I, I got that uh, something happens your way I've got that because both sides are serving you but when you're not doing what you love you're not in flow state because you're only willing to embrace one side the fantasy you're mm. running away from the other side the nightmare and you're constantly bipolar which is addicted to monopolar emotions instead of synthesized and balanced and now you're accessing the animal mind which is highly emotional instead of the angelic mind, um, mm-hmm. which does that, so that's that's why that occurs. But um, I've had clients do that; they were regularly sick the last eleven years, and as I've done it, they go, "I can't remember the last time I had a flu." I they go, "I can't remember the last time I had symptoms of this." They said they've seen um, spontaneous things that they've had for years start to dissipate and dissolve. You know, I said, "Well, you're not understanding that what you think neurology gets transmitted all the way from your body all the way down to the cellular level." and the minute you understand that you take a little bit more responsibility of what you're thinking instead of setting garbage all the way through the body um in that
0: and then it goes back to what you're talking about at the start and when you talk about that system for me what came up was it's like it's cultivating self-awareness in a way on, Mm. on multiple levels within within the self you know you're you're starting to um uh you're starting to look at um those, those patterns of behavior, those patterns of psychology that are occurring and you're becoming more aware of it through that process that you're going through in a way.
1: So the higher the level of awareness, uh, the greater the degree that you embrace pairs of opposites within the universe. Um, in that, so you start to listen to your intuition. I've seen this with clients because I take clients from extremely on one side um, of the spectrum, where they're the um, the person that everyone's looking after, and then we as we balance their greatest challenges and give them the tools to be able to do that, they end up being the person within like under a month to two months that's now helping everybody else yeah. through their major challenges. And I've seen that in so many cases, and you almost predict it now. It's been amazing to watch, mm. um, but as you evolve um, from one level of enlightenment, the word enlightenment means to bring light and light and physics is a perfect balance of positive to negative. Now I just mentioned before, that the universe is quantum entangled and that yeah. it's always synthesizing the pairs of opposites in positive and negative energetically. And, because it's doing that, our perfect growth pattern happens to be at the border of support and challenge, and the universe <laughs> has always got that algorithm running. Yep. So we're forced to evolve, and that evolution is called love. Because the more you love both sides, that's when you experience greater levels of love. So enlightenment is nothing more than that's why I call my company Quantum Equilibrium. Quantum is the smallest unit of light. Mm-hmm. Equilibrium is bringing that um, equilibrium from one level of enlightenment to another, and every area of enlightenment you reach you realize there's another set of challenges for you to bring the pairs of opposites but then you start solving the ones underneath it much more easily because your level of awareness has grown and evolved but it doesn't matter what area of life you're in that algorithm in all areas exists so we're here to evolve and grow
0: yeah i love that um i've been reading a lot around the dow at the moment and the way and um the understanding of that that duality and what, what, what I liked about what you were saying there is the acknowledgement that the universe, universal law, um, is never imbalanced. That it, is a, it, is, it can't be imbalanced because it, that, it doesn't. Only our
1: perceptions. Our, our perception perceptions of, it. of the universe it becomes imbalanced, and then we have symptoms to bring it back into balance. And that's what the intuition that you were talking about is. So let me give you a couple of examples of intuition let's imagine you and I hanging out and some random weird over muscular bodybuilder that's uh, clearly had a couple of roids comes over and just goes, mate, what's going on with you guys? You got a problem? You and I around this area here are going to have this feeling like we're not comfortable with him exaggerating himself and minimizing us straight away, that Mm -hmm. feedback. Mm -hmm. And if we don't say anything about it, as we walk away, our intuition is going to be trying to reveal that we're not comfortable with that imbalance. If you're in a relationship, you'll have that as well it's consistently trying to do that. If you get highly infatuated with a girl um, or, you know, anyone watching this partner, male, both, I guess these days, I don't have a clue what your own adventure, I, whatever. I associate as vaccinated. Um, so, <laughs> that's right. I, yeah. I can i so yeah. <laughs> it's not getting yeah. to to any cafes, but yeah. I associate as that. Um, but um, so if that um, occurs and I say we get highly infatuated with somebody, that feeling where we can't get them out of our mind occupies time and space the rushing of a, um endorphins through our body that's our intuition trying to let us know because we know that's not our normal state and we're going to yeah. exaggerate them minimize ourselves try and live within their values sacrifice ourselves and take an advantage of job. now the opposite as well when we're highly resentful towards somebody that's also um, the chemicals and hormone distributions that we call emotions coming out of us are letting us know that that's not our natural state as well. We're much more likely to realize it um, in our negative states and our positive ones. Most people think we're here for happiness. We're not. We're here for love and evolution. Happiness is false gold. Mm-hmm. I've been teaching mm-hmm. that for years. Mm-hmm. Um, but intuition is trying to bring us back to a place of centeredness and when we reach that point that's when we're at the greatest point of presence because anything other than being centered is comparing two things and in comparisons that's when we end up bipolar and that's europe's a great example people go to europe and come back and they've got i used to go to thailand every six months we used to have a joke we had thai depression, depressed not being in thailand i'm moving so to thailand we our, yeah we compare our lives to being in thailand yep but then one day I did an exercise and I wrote 100 drawbacks of being in Thailand and 100 benefits of being at home. And I finally got present and I realized neither was better or worse than the other. There were things in Thailand that I wish I had at home that I didn't have. There were things at home I would have, um, that Thailand had. But each one of those had their pain and the pleasure. Waking up you know, halfway through your holiday and realizing you spent three quarters of your money and you have to be a tight ass for the second half uh, when you're in your 20s, that's not all not fun. Cool. Uh, yeah so i once i saw it properly i went oh true presence can only occur from the embracing of both sides because then you see the universe for its divine hidden order instead of projecting onto the universe your animal-sided addiction to what you think it should be as compared to the magnificence of what it is
0: and i I guess that's where the um the the, the counterpoint becomes you know in those relationships and, and all relationships that we're talking about is is that mirror that beautiful opportunity but um you know you find after the infatuation that you know, in those, you could call it, uh, you know, in psychology, they call it kind of codependence, you know, potentially. Um, but on the other side of that, uh, after the infatuation comes that other the side, the, res- the resentment, right, that dark, yeah. darker side of it all starts to come out in the back. How, how do you think, here's one for you. So, and I think, I, I, funnily enough, after talking to you, I think I, I can unpack it a, a little bit myself anyway. But like, where what I found interesting, intellectualising spirituality for a period of time and gaining the tool sets so to speak of what I thought they were were in any way and then essentially using spiritual bypassing throughout you know a period of time throughout relationships stage in life where um, I was not acknowledging those elements and obviously calling people in you know um, to do that what I found very complex about those situations is that what I had thought was my intuition calling me down a path when in a sense it was because the path was required for the learning, for to go through the experience, to see those parts of the, the Jungian shadow. Um, but my ego had nearly convinced me that the intu- that My ego... It was like my ego had convinced me that it was my intuition and, and yet... But in the same way, like, but in the sense... I guess now, as I think about it, in a sense, it was. It still was my intuition leading me down, but it was the ego that was applying the perceptions, the 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 um, the, the deception essentially of the self, you know, around what this the scenario was, what the relationship was, where I, what was it about? You're, you know, you know, we all go through it. She's the one. I'm gonna whatever it might be, but you build this story around it. Yet your intuition is steering it. And that's where I think that entanglement can become quite complex because what you thought was real, what you thought was this thing that you're going to build a future, you're going to build together, whatever it might be, gets torn away. And then you start to question the intuition itself that led you down that road. But it's not the intuition that you're actually questioning because that part's still there.
1: Yeah, I can definitely explain And by the way, for those that are going to, because this comes out in video and audio form, doesn't it?
0: Yes, sir. For, yeah, yeah. So for those of you
1: wondering, I'm, my, I should have said this at the start, my computer's here with Simon's beautiful face and my DSLR is up here. So I'm not just randomly looking at the right <laughs> instead of like you guys. Stop
0: Facebook on the side just quickly. Yeah, just to get yeah, yeah, just, quickly just, yeah. Yeah. Just trying to get, you know,
1: <laughs> but so firstly, the start of the relationship is called the infatuation stage. And this is a stage where we exaggerate the positives and minimize the negatives. The animal mind is huge, hugely active. Oh, my God, you've got two eyes. So do I. You've got two ears. Oh, my God, we're meant to be together. Um, then we're also projecting uh, an archetype of our perfect Partner and our perfect partner is made up of all the voids of past relationships and our life associations yep. um, as well. So if you grew up in a family where your mum fam- and dad maybe weren't so connected to each other, you may have a huge value for communication and connectedness. If you had a partner that had this might sound really weird, but I, I noticed this in myself when I was doing some work: small breasts, and like I've got a value for bigger breasts. And these are really interesting things. But this is why somebody will like somebody and you go, dude, really, that's, that's, that's what you think is hot. And -hmm. it's because it meets all of their archetypes and things like that. But all of that gets collected throughout your life. And then if you meet somebody that sits within that model, you'll exaggerate them and create a fantasy, which is all the exaggerated um, positives of them. And the fantasy lives somewhere over here. And then you try and turn them into the fantasy. And now you have a battle going on because the truth of who they are and the magnificence that they are is perfect. But you keep trying to change them into the fantasy and that's your problem, not theirs. It's your projections. Mm-hmm. And they do the same to you as well. Unless you're mm-hmm. not aware of that. That's the first thing. Second thing is, within relationship dynamics. There's so many misconceptions that people are completely unaware of. Number one, Nobody's in the relationship for you. They're in the relationship for them. And as long as they perceive that you fulfill their values, they'll stay with you. The minute they feel that you challenge their values can completely, they'll move out of the relationship. And we're changing and we have multiple changes within our values throughout the relationship. And people don't know that. They don't think about it. They think who you just met are infatuated with is a person you're going to have forever. And as those values change, you've actually got to learn how to relink those values, otherwise you go we're different and you try and change them back, or they try and change you instead of honoring the changes of where you're going and realizing there's a beauty in that also, yeah so. There's so many aspects of relationship dynamics that nobody knows about. And because you don't know them, you set an unrealistic expectation. Mm. um, And then the minute it's not met, which is guaranteed, you beat yourself up in the other person. You project onto them, which they can never live up to. And I could do the same thing to you. Mm. And your intuition will kick in straight away. Uh, Imagine you were at a shopping center and you were having a date with a little hottie. And I walked up to you and I just went, Simon, always beautiful, always nice, never mean and I'd spent 15 minutes with nothing but exact and the positives were just getting higher you know it makes a lot of money and as I was doing that would you believe that or would you be going dude just can't, I can't live up no, to you that just that calm bullshit. down a little yeah, yeah, you've, over, yeah. you've oversold that yeah? yeah yeah so complimentary opposite to that if if you went if I was walking past and you went Emmanuel and somehow I felt you screwed me over and I go this bastard mate you owe me this and you haven't done that and blah 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 and i just went full negative for like 20 minutes now you wouldn't believe that either because you'd go we were friends at some stage mm. so obviously i couldn't have been that bad there must have been some perceived good traits about me that um, led to you being friends with me right. so you can't say you're all negative or all positive even one of those extreme polarizations won't sit with you but let's imagine a third instance now and I walk over and you say, Manny. I go, hey, how are you doing, big fella? For those of you that don't know, Manny or e mans my nickname. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and then this little hottie says, uh, I've just been on my first date with Simon. What can you tell me about him? And I said, if you fulfill his values um, and he's highly inspired as an entrepreneur and he loves to have connection and um, you know, live his life and really be experimental, if you're into those things, he'll pull you closer. And he'll be close to you and he'll look after you and he'll want to spend time with you. If you challenge those and tell them that they're absolute crap and you want nothing to do that and try and change him, he'll probably start to challenge you and push away from you. But Mm -hmm. if you love him for who he authentically is, you'll find that he's an amazing person. Um, And if he loves you for who you authentically are, you'll find that. But you're going to have support and challenge if you stay with him. But he's got a great heart and he's willing to grow and learn. Would you believe that? Oh, I I want to date him right now.
0: And that guy sounds like yeah, a yeah, yeah that right. sounds like a good, good scenario true. to be. But, right?
1: but that's authentic, isn't it? Mm. Your intuition wouldn't be having alarm bells going bullshit on either one of those spectrums. So that's who we really are. And that's mm. who we authentically are. And we've got a natural um intuition that's trying to bring us back into balance and let us know the truth of the universe. But sometimes we just don't want to see it. And then on top of that you've got religious filters, society, friendships, Tradition. all of that. It's it's you know, I've spent my whole life dedicated to this and now teaching people how to decipher that and break through half of those lenses um, so they can see f- well for what it really is. But every person has a different filter we've got to go through. Uh, mm. I worked with an Indian lady that wanted to be empowered, but a culture, the part that she subscribed to said that women had to subordinate to their husbands. And before I consulted with her, I said, look, if you're going to work with me, I'm going to have to break through those paradigms. And I guarantee you some men in the Indian culture set up those paradigms so they could have power mm-hmm. over women, but that's bullshit because you can either be part of the, your children can learn from your desperation or your inspiration. So you can be part of a subordination that they either look at and go, I'm not doing that. And then finally grow and evolve because they're an not in Australia and on India. So they're not going to buy that shit. They've got too many other influences that can help them see beyond it. Or you can be part of the inspiration when they go, I want to be like that. But either way, you can either change the perception of how this model is ran on Indian women. I said, you're not going to, you can make 100 pizzas tomorrow. You're not going to be Italian. Your heritage is still Indian but you have a chance to change the way in which women are perceived on that aspect of the culture in the way that you were taught that it was. So I said, if you're interested in that, I'll work with you. If you're interested in the other, I can't help you because part of you says I have to obey the culture, but I want to change, but I can't go against it. I can never help you that because I need to go against
0: it in order to help you evolve. They're stuck in that trap. They're stuck in that conditioning. You know, you can't, you'll, you'll never break away from that. Um, so when you think about relationship, right, and I guess it can be relationship on on any level, but we're kind of in the on the realms of intimacy. They're all the, the same. They are. They're they are, ex- really are. I'll,
1: I'll explain how they're all the same after your question. But and I, I
0: liked your mirror analogy of the mirror being closer to you for, yes. for relationships where someone's is in your you know time and space. They're in that 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 reality around you. The transition, right? I've never made it out of the. Um, how, how can I define this in a in a simplistic way? I've never made it made it past. The uh, the the exploration stage of relationship past
1: past first base. We're working on it. Um, sure, you are far yeah, too cool. handsome. I don't want to. I don't want to, to get a perception out there
0: around <laughs> the <laughs> first base comment. But I'm, I'm happy to play that role. Um, I'm, I'm good at it. I can play different roles. Look, but
1: look, but, he's playing it down, ladies. Uh, for those of you that that are listening to this on audio, you need to put your video on. Uh, how old are you now?
0: How old are you? I, I, so as of uh, Tuesday last week, I'm 40 years old.
1: I cannot. I'm 37, and okay. I'd say that you know people tell me I look young. I'd say you either look the same as me or younger, um, as that as well. So if you're if you're watching this, you don't you know in audio, it's this is not a this is not a video radio voice. You you want to put your video on, ladies. This yeah, I know, yeah, a that's right. Gentleman.
0: it's got some dark tone to it. some deep tone to it, but yeah, this is a visual experience. You definitely want to step into the visual here. Um, look, I, my question in all of that though is different people coming in out of your lives, different relationships come to you for that opportunity to learn, to, to shed light on the darker sides of, of self. Um, what is it that you think it makes up um, uh, a relationship that can last the distance? And, and I'm doing quotation marks there for anyone yeah, that's not. Um,
1: to be honest, I'm not even interested in that. Uh, you're always in the right relationship for your area of growth because the universe is attracting whatever's necessary. So if you're highly minimizing yourself, not expressing yourself, you're going to attract somebody that overly expresses themselves and minimizes you. And that challenges that in order to break your perceptions of yourself and increase your self-worth, because to get out of that dynamic, you've then got to learn how to own those parts that you're rejecting in yourself. So, um, I'm not interested in longevity of relationship for the sake of longevity. I'm the, the longevity relationship is usually for me uh, a symptom of being present and appreciative for what's happening there and then until mm-hmm. I'm ready for whatever's next. Um, I'm engaged to my fiance Renee, but one of the things I said to her at the start was, I'm interested in this moment. And the only way we get another day, every day is a new start for me. But the only way I get tomorrow is if in this moment, I make it as beautiful as I can. And in order to do that, there's a few factors that have to come in and they're foundational factors. Number one, we're individuals before we're a couple and that's the foundations of this. If you're not working on your stuff, you're going to become a burden for the relationship. If I'm not, I'm going to become an emotional burden and that over time, you know, that can become quite a hassle. Um, If if you're helping somebody 10% of the time, it's okay, you could do that very comfortably, but 50% of the time now, it's probably going to impact your work and other areas. 70% of the time, you're more about them than you are about you and you're going to both fall behind. Um, So, yeah. Yeah. So the first factor that I'd say uh, is making sure that you not only work on yourself, but dissolve all the relationship baggage. And once again, for me in my world, um, I just had uh, the reason I was working with a close friend recently to help him overcome some of what he was working on in his past relationship was because I said to him, if you don't work on this, this is going to reflect in a future relationship and someone's going to remind you what your ex did and now you're dating both of them. So let's clean this up <laughs> so that you it's your job to come to the table with your own history clear so you can be present in that relationship with that person. So getting all of that as resolved as you possibly can so you can be present with what's in front of you and also take all the learnings from those past relationships, Because people say, I hear this all the time. I stand my boundaries. I say no, you say it, but 90% or 99% of it is standing it. So if you say it but you're easily walked over your last five relationships for example people walked over it so you're just saying it but you're not actually applying it so you have to learn the lessons and as you learn the lessons you increase self-worth as you increase self-worth you start to call things sooner because you see the repetitive cycle coming and you cut it off sooner so that changes the dynamic in terms of what you attract to that's the first thing if you're two strong individuals um, then from there you can start to create a partnership from that where you're as present with each other as possible but it's important to have as much equal time in the relationship for yourself as well as time away from the relationship that's super important for Renee and I
0: um same in business in in the business and on the business right like it's the similar similar concept yeah Yeah.
1: because she's got certain unique set of values that are complementary opposite to me um like gardening and stuff like that I've got no interest I I go out and cut her most beautiful flowers you'll see some of them here and I I like seeing them in the house they're pieces of art to me and I want to see them in the house she wants to see some of them outside so I just keep kidnapping them when she's not looking but (laughs) we've got complementary, opposite set of values and I'm not as interested in that. And if I spend a lot of time doing that, I'm going to minimize enough to take away from things that I love. So in the things that we have that we both love, we do those together. But for those other things, I delegate those off to her best friends or friends mm-hmm. that she has that are into it. So then they can mutually do that together at a really high energy and high value level um, in doing that.
0: Then that brings right. the novelty back into the relationship as well, right? Yeah. And we need that novelty. We need those new experiences, that that new challenges you were talking about before. So it keeps well, that freshness, that 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 enticement, you know?
1: 100%. Well, one of her best friends, um, once a year, usually pre-COVID, she would, she rang she said, I'm taking her, she kind of ordered me, she said, I'm taking your missus on holiday every single year and I have to be able to do it once. I said, fuck no, you take it twice a year. And I'm not signing any agreements until I know that you're doing it twice. I need some me time in this. And she just burst out (laughs) laughing. And Renee was like, oh, yeah, he's serious. And I said, I go, think about it. If Renee and I every day spend time together, she just becomes a piece of furniture. And so do Mm. I, because Mm. you just, it's what happens during COVID. Everyone's around each other all the time. It's no longer fresh. Mm. But if she goes to Italy for a month, she comes back, it's rompy, pumpy. We can't wait to spend time with each other. That lovemaking is happening for days. (laughs) And that's because you need time away from each other and with each other. That passion um, that you call, you know, in terms of sex and everything else that comes in. So Mm. we need that time apart and away. And in fact, I even notice it when Renee's working in her office, We'll spend a whole weekend together. But then when she goes to leave the office, in the first 15 minutes, I generally send her a message and say thank you for whatever we did the day before of the week because I finally had some time to reflect about it. Appreciate around yeah. me all the time. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, we do appreciation messages every single morning. I've done videos on it as well. Just saying, hey, in the morning, send people you love messages. I've almost Great died food. eight times.
0: i a yeah, game 100%,
1: changer. Mm. 100%. Um, heals the heart.
0: I think that's what happened over COVID to a lot of relationships as well, and a lot of people. I, I, I got to spend my 270 days in Victoria by myself, which was a, an interesting opportunity. Um, but I think for a lot of other people, that it really, um, it really you know put relationship to to the test because probably a lot of those elements that were taken away.
1: I called it out straight away. I got interviewed at the start of COVID two years ago and I just made predictions for people immediately straight away. So if you're in a relationship, find time to be away with each other and with yeah. each other. Yeah. But if not, you're gonna have a lot of arguments and a lot of them will just be because you're literally around each other more than what you used to, um, and you don't have enough you time and you need to figure that out, whereas one of you goes for a walk in the morning, the other one goes for a walk in the afternoon, and then every couple of days you do it together. But make sure you have that time away as much as time together mm-hmm. as well. But um yeah, so let's, let's get to a few more pillars there. So so individually, the foundations, um, working as a couple, uh, having tools and resources as you both change in your values to be able to appreciate that as well. So uh, I remember there was a stage where I'm pretty regimented. I've got a, what's called a wealth maximizer calendar. It's a calendar that shows all seven areas of my life for the week and everything's got time slots. Right. And for Renee, relationship mastery is usually first thing in the morning and after work. And I work 12 hours a day. So it's between eight and 10 before going to bed. And um, Renee had some challenges within her family. So for about three months, every time she finished work, she was highly dedicated and on the phone because her family's in Melbourne. And my first feeling was, oh, we're not spending time together. Mm-hmm. So I, I, as, we, as the work that I do, and I just do it with my clients, so I personally implement it into my life, I demartinied it, as we call it. So I pulled out a form and I wrote, Renee's spending time with me. And I looked at all seven areas of life, physical, financial, mental, spiritual, social, vocation, and family, and listed 100 drawbacks. So I mm-hmm. took the thing that I was calling a negative um, oh, pardon me, that are spending time with me, there was a positive, and I brought it back to balance. Now, I took the thing I was seeing as a negative and her not spending time with me, and I wrote all the benefits I was getting. And I didn't stop until I could see that they were both actually equal to each other, and I felt it. This is what you were saying before you intellectualized spirituality. You can't, it must be an experience. It's that you can it's have in, you want the yeah. You want the intellectual knowledge to understand what you went through. Otherwise, you, it won't make much sense to you. But then the ability to actually experience the change as well, to know that it was one hundred percent real, it must be both. That's when. That's for me. That's why I stuck with the method because it merged both, where everything else would just be one or not have um, one aspect. And I think you can
0: be lost in that as well in that because at at times you're you're
1: meant to be, you're meant to get lost and then balance it lost and then balance it because balancing it just means you get promoted to the next level of challenge. So if you, yeah, so like when you first started, you're working for other people had its benefits and drawbacks. I mean, you started working for yourself, different set of benefits and drawbacks the minute you hired staff. So we noticed at every level there's different pain and pleasure, benefits and drawbacks, Mm -hmm. support and challenge. But um, yeah, so I did that. And then I became super grateful because I realized that now I can improve my golf game. I could spend more time researching and reading, looking at areas that I was inspired by. She was connecting with her family. They were getting closer. And we're in Sydney, they're in Melbourne. So that was a really beautiful thing. And I went amazing. So I did that. Three months later, it was settled and done. And now Renee wants to go back to our usual schedule. And I went, mean, oh, crap. I've gotten so used to having my me time. Yep. So then I had to do the opposite of exercise and say drawbacks of having all of my time together benefits of Renee being back. And then when I was done, I was like, oh, and, and my ability – to just move, like you said, like water, just move Mm -hmm. around what was Mm -hmm. happening within her life. At the end of it, she said to me, she goes, any other ex would have been highly polarized, highly annoyed, trying to change me. And then I would have felt pressured by it to help my family, who I love and pressured by the ex. And every day would have been hell. Yes, but the fact that I could just focus on my family, know that you love me and you would just tell me and say, when you want to spend some time, let me know and I'll put it aside. But if you think that's really important, you go and do that. I'm here for you. We're here for the long run. Let's not choke each other out yeah. today. This isn't a wrestling match. Yeah. We, don't need a, we, don't, we don't need a winner right now. Um, we can win this together. The fact that we did that and I was able to adapt and change that allowed the relationship to prosper. So that's what I'm talking about, having those tools and resources. And it's two things. I did the tool that was psychological, but it created a physiological shift inside of me where I became grateful for whatever was happening within her life. So that I think is one of the next things in there. And as you do that, you become present, you become loving, you become um, grateful. And then- you want to set goals in all seven areas as individuals because your partner always, doesn't always have the same goals. But then you want to set goals as a partnership as well that you're both mutually inspired yeah. to achieve. So you grow together. There's nothing like a partnership to get you guys to take on the world yeah. um, in that as well. And then the last thing I'd say there is being realistic. A lot of people will, you know, they'll read books about not arguing, not fighting, all of that. And I'm interested in that. We found out, we, we studied our relationship and found out we have one massive fight every two months or two small fights every month. And they're just like insignificant pissy little things. And we started to joke around about it. So if it's been almost two months and we haven't had a fight, I'll just walk up to Renee in the kitchen, just like push her jokingly. And I'll be like, bitch, let's go. And she just started, oh. she can't take me seriously. She's like, fuck off, we're not doing this. You can't stimulate a fight. I got fucking hate you so much. And I'm just like, do the eyes and I'll try and start something. And I'm like, let's just get it on. Let's get it on. What do you want to fight about? Like, you, you, you like that juice on the table? I don't like the juice on the table. How do you feel about that? And I'll try and start a fight. And she's is like, it's not happening. You've got to let this happen. And then when we have that misunderstanding, and that's what we've come to every fight is just a misunderstanding. We then take the time to see our point of view, the other person's point of view, and then the middle point of view as to what really happened. And we've laughed about so many of our arguments. Uh, one of them at a golf course, I Renee asked me a question. And as I turned around, she was there, my voice went this way. And I said something, but she thought I said something else. So she got really pissed off and then kind of aggressively said something back. But I didn't know she heard that. And all I heard was the aggression. So I defended myself. I'm, well, who the hell do you think you're talking to? Routine, and now, yeah. She, yeah, now she's like, oh, he definitely said that shit. So, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. And like, we're off to the races so and we're going at it. And she gets pissed off. And you know, I don't want to talk to me like this in public. And like, people walk past a golf course. And I'm like, I don't even know what we're really finding about here. I just don't like the way you're talking to me. And, she walks off, and I go, "Screw this! I love my golf. I'm not. I'm not leaving the golf course. I'm finishing my round." That's I right. I've written
0: that in my yeah. in my value line. Yeah.
1: Well, it was occupying time and space in my mind the whole time I was playing golf. So I played a semi-average round. Anyway, we got back into the car, and um, you know things had settled. I mean, I'm a human behavioral specialist I help people bring balance, but I'm not in an all state of all. I mean, like you said, I balance stuff out, and I have other stuff. It's not the same stuff. All the stuff I balance is fine, but there's enough mm-hmm. stuff to keep going for you. Always, always find something else. Yeah. So. We got in the car. Now we're a lot calmer. And we start talking about it. And she goes, well, if you hadn't said this at the start, um, I wouldn't have been annoyed at you. And I said, I said what? You said, you said this. I said, when? She said, you turned around and said it to me. I said, no, I said this. And she goes, oh, that sounds a lot like that. I said, this whole time, you were having an argument about that? She goes, yeah, I was having an argument about this. I said, now I'm really pissed off. She goes, Why? Damn it, woman, you fight with me over <laughs> the same subject. Stop fighting with me over different subjects.
0: <laughs> Deception's a killer, I tell you what. Deception is a killer.
1: <laughs> we found that like 20 times in seven years. We have not even been arguing about the same stuff. And then when we actually found out what the other person was arguing about, I'm like, oh dude, I am on your side for that. I said if I, I ever agree said with that, stand your ground. I'm like. I am with you. Like there would not be two sides to this argument. There'd be you and me going, whoever that guy is, I don't like him like mm. that kind of thing. Mm. And she realized the same thing as well. So we embrace the fact that we're going to have misunderstandings because when you lived at home with your family, for people that obviously grew up with their families, you had punch-ons with those people, but you still love them. Yeah. When you live with a partner, they become family. So why wouldn't you punch on with them? I think so it's like, the, it's,
0: ha- it's like the clarity that we were talking about before, right? Of, of calling you know, bringing the self back into equilibrium or back into balance. Yeah. Um, it, it's, the, the argument is that it is enabling you to it's dig a little a, deeper, yeah. right?
1: It's just a growth. It's a yeah. growth spurt. And there's been so many elements where, and even other things, like sometimes during arguments, you finally get the stuff out that you when, when it's peaceful, calm water, you don't want to say it, but really it's just been kind of collecting yeah. unconsciously.
0: <laughs> Last couple get it of all weeks. Out,
1: yeah. And then, then you both change. And you adapt and you think, hold on a second, like, I didn't know that now that you've said that, because in that space where you're angry, you're like, yeah, well, you do this. And then, yeah, well, what about when you do that? And then Mm. I think about it afterwards. And I'm like, hey, I could improve as a partner. I couldn't change certain Mm -hmm. aspects of myself. And it's not just you. If you're thinking that, maybe my clients are thinking that, maybe my parents are thinking that. um, Have I gotten to a point where I'm a little narcissistic in these areas and I haven't been altruistic enough to find a balance and I just haven't been listening to my intuition? So thank you. And let me create those changes and see what impact that has on my relationships. So, So we also embrace those points. And we know that if there's arguments all the time, we've both got stuff to work on individually that we need to work on and as a relationship. But if it's just here and there, we look at it and we go, that's just our next stepping stones and the rest of the things seem to be quite in order, but we needed that as well. So we embrace the pain, we embrace the pleasure and all those other things. And the last thing I'll say is I've told Renee, I've said everybody else, I'm with Renee for this present moment and making that everything I can. And if I do that, every time I look into the past, I just see a whole bunch of moments that I love. Yep. But at some stage in the future, Uh, when we have kids or anything, Renee's not fulfilled in this relationship, I've said, get out, liberate me and go and do what you love. You are not an object to me. You're the person that I love. And if that means doing that without me, I would love that just as much as doing life with you. I'm just blessed that at this point in time for the last seven years, that's been together. But that holds me accountable to be present in this moment and not feel like I'm just given tomorrow and the rest of the days with that. I've still got to abide by those laws, which say that I look after myself, I look after her, we um, look to grow together. We're realistic about the way we see things. And that, it sounds like a lot of work, but so does freaking arguing every day. And it
0: takes more work not to, really. Yeah.
1: And, and it, because when you're working with thousands of clients, you know, over like 11 years, it would be so arrogant for me to not learn from them. And that's where a lot of my learnings came from. It's like I did 50 cases of this this year and I've noticed that this this specific algorithm creates this certain behavior and attracts this certain relationship. Mm. And then we worked on it in this way and that created a change. So I take those things and I think my clients are some of my greatest teachers and I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm going to implement them into my life. And then I've shared them with Renee. an aid. So together everybody's growing. And that's, that's where that came from. So there's work in not doing the work, there's work in doing the work, but yeah. we would love to see this continue and create a beautiful family and a, a powerhouse couple. So we do the work. I think that, and, and his
0: go on. Yeah. Go on. I was going to say, I think that element that you're talking about with, with the, with your, your clients, your students, um, it brings that element of community into it as well. Uh, you know that mm. that holding space—not that not that necessarily—it's a group construct that you're working with at all times. I know you go from group to one-on-one, but um, it, that element of being able to be seen by others or in group, and and that accountability that comes with you know the communitas of having people working together—you get opportunities to share, connect with experience, and then level up from that capability as well.
1: That's, um, that's the reason I created the company. The the, the company the origins of the company was me wanting to evolve and grow. But yeah. the, the tools and the, um, the resources, what i was learning was so powerful. I mean, that day after I did that breakthrough, I yeah. uh, said so that took me three hours. I know I could learn how to do that in an hour and a half um, and yeah. specialize in this. And I want to show humanity because if I could overcome all of that in reference to my dad, um, and then I had an ex-partner. It took me three years to try and get over her. Then I did it in three hours utilizing the method permanently yeah. and for life. So when I did that, I, I said, this has got to be shown. People don't even know this exists and mm. it's created a profound change within my life. I, I, I have to get this out there to the greatest degree that I can. And since doing that, my, my life is a playground. I'm a kid in a candy store. Uh, it's a reason why, what are we on here? 7.31 at nine. I usually work till eight o'clock anyway. People say, how do you do 12 hours? I said, well, do 12 hours of something that you love and tell me if you'd want to do that only nine to five. It's, mm. it's hard.
0: Mm. Yeah, yeah, man, and that's, it's just such a beautiful thing when you can a- you activate like that. And there's a point you were talking about before, I think just the, you know, once you do get into that space, it's kind of like adversity training. When you find, you know, the skill level to, ne- to the next challenge and you're, you're levelling up into these new spaces, kind of like the arguments we were talking about before, um, you get better at holding space for them, you get better at navigating the communication required for the next level of, you know, um, the internal experience or the thing that you want to unpack or the, the problems that you're having. You just, you keep compounding. It's like, it's like a muscle you just get better at that process of becoming more aware and more, more um, able to hold space for more, you know, the next, the next element.
1: Well, hundred um, percent.
0: It's why, so, in my
1: company, we have level one. Level one, I work for my clients utilizing the De Martini method as well as some of my own specific tools that I created as well sure. for balancing their perceptions. So if somebody, let's say they're depressed, they'll come in, I'm depressed. I say, that means nothing to me because you can be depressed about 101 different things. What's the root cause of your depression? Because somebody is, it's their father passing away. Somebody else, it's um, that they uh, just got out of a, they got fired at work. There's there's a different root cause. Mm-hmm. So we, we transition and do that. After we've done that at level two, I teach them the tools how to do that. So now they can be self-sufficient enough to be able to listen to their intuition when they're off from center find out what's occupying time and space in their mind get down to the root cause of what it is and then when they're ready address that so they're embracing the fact that they can go through that experience should they choose to but most people address it immediately so that they can get back onto living an inspiring life because there's a cost for holding on to things and that cost uh, pays out in all seven areas of life.
0: And so those seven areas, you kind of define that as the val- the value alignment. Is that the kind of problem doing a little kind of course as I, I like to do at the moment and it kind of goes through, you know, mapping out your values and, and do, you, do you anchor back to those elements of life, those seven, to seven elements as kind of the, the, the constructs of what we value? Is that kind of how you define no. it? Or-
1: so the, the Martini values are very different from any other value system that I've learned over the last 12 years. Um, your values are specifically the areas that you most organized, disciplined, reliable, focused, and inspired by. A lot of people think values are honor and integrity and all those things. They're sure. not. And when you're living in alignment with your values, that's what you do. Now, for me, so there's a martini values determination online, www.demartini.com. You go into there, you click on values. It's on the top. And it's got a 13 questions. Those ones I was telling you that deconstruct your life. Mm-hmm. So the first one is, you know, what do you feel your personal space with? If you come into this room here, this is my most personal space in the house. And you'd go. There's pictures of Renee and I everywhere. I don't know. If it usually, doesn't come out on camera, but um, sure. this is my. Oh, you can see it. Oh yeah. So yeah. Uh, there we go. Yep. Yeah, yeah. There's Renee and I yeah. on um, my uh, business phone. My personal phone <laughs> has died, but on my personal phone, Renee and I. If I showed you the laptop behind us, it's got Renee and I. The iPad, it's Renee and I. Photo up there, um, Renee and I, and there's images of the child that we want to have. Mm -hmm. So you can say that that's super important to me because I've surrounded almost every um technological service. I can with that so that's one of the the first things second thing is human evolution development and growth you just had to look behind the scenes as to what creates the studio Mm -hmm. there's camera gear everywhere and everything but the only reason the camera gear exists is to do what I love and love what I do which is communicate about human values and share what I've studied other than that I have no interest in camera gear it's just the expression of that allows me to do it to the highest degree with humanity I've got human evolution development books and resources over there. Um, that makes up the largest percentage of this room. So the two of those are obviously high in my values because my life dictates and determines and shows that. Mm-hmm. I can't lie about that. It's not projected. Mm-hmm. You can actually come in here and see that. Then the third thing is I've got like my water and stuff. This thing calculates water, how much I drink for my health. I've got a whoop on my arm as well. Uh, so yeah. you can say the third thing would be that and you can see there's a hierarchy and a priority and a percentage as to how big or small they are. You do that test, you end up with 13 questions, three answers for each, 39 all up, and then you take the similar answers and you get percentages over what your values are. Hmm. Now, whatever's highest in your values is the thing you want to do most. Second highest value, second and third. They're your values. The seven areas of life They're the, that's your life broken down. And, you know, there's been different studies that do six or eight or, you know, all different stuff. But basically, it's just a deconstruction of all the areas of your life. And you're here to master all of them. And whatever you don't master, you attract a greater void in. So if you make a large amount of money but neglect your relationship, you end up with a divorce and the woman takes all of your money um, or your partner. So... It's, you're here to master all seven, and we have certain areas out of the seven that we value more, so we neglect others, but then we create challenges in those other areas to create voids to bring them back up, and it's, it's nature trying to even out the play, but really, we're here to master all seven, so that's why yeah. in my level three, I didn't mean sounds like I'm promoting a lot, but it's just it's it's a natural evolution and that's why our programs are created that way yep, yep. once a person learns all the tools and resources they end up saying to me hey i noticed that every area that we worked on in the past was the area that was weakest and that's where i attracted my biggest challenges mm. so is there a way in the future of actually navigating all these seven and me dictating the challenges that mm. i have in there i go yes we take we take all seven. We set highly inspiring tasks for what you want, and anything that's lower in your values. Because sometimes you have a goal that you don't value, but you can see that's on the way. We link it, but I try and do a ninety percent what you love, ten percent linking. So you're okay. at least a majority doing what you. Because you've stuck the odds in your favour, you maximise human potential when you do your values. Mm. I'm talking to you right now. My energy's high. Mm. Most people at five o'clock are yawning. My energy's high because I'm just doing what I love. This is easy yeah. for me yeah. to do. Yeah, I did so, a whole day
0: today at work, you know, like twelve hours, kind of stuff, and then then here to do this at night because this is just I do this because I just love this. This I love go, these your conversations. Energy, your voice,
1: everything, no, there's just it, there is no yawn or anything. It's high yeah. energy. So you stack the odds in your favor and you maximize. It. literally your body maximizes. Think about it. If it's shrinking time and space. Taking on support and challenge, it's embracing both sides of the universe. Mm-hmm. It remembers things and um, make sure that you can identify them immediately. So it's organizing information and all of these things in the areas that you love and maximizes potential, increases the immune system, decreases the chance for disease. Then every single thing, living organism on planet Earth, has a reason, a meaning, and a purpose. When it fulfills that it um, is rewarded with energy and vitality. And when it doesn't, it's um, given disease and disorder because basically the universe is kicking you out and saying that um, that's nature. Nature takes the strongest and lets it survive and kicks out the weakest. And we're no different from that. People don't want to hear it because they're addicted to peace Mm -hmm. and running away from war, but there's an algorithm that runs the universe. Mm. Yeah. There's an algorithm that runs the universe. And if you align with an algorithm, you'll find that it's very, very beautiful. You're just Mm going to have to honor both sides and see um, pain and pleasure. We're seeing it right now with COVID. The addiction to life is creating um, uh, this fear for death. They're both synthesized. They've always been there within life. And for a majority of people dying, you actually have rebirth in conservation for people being locked at home. Mm-hmm. But there's nothing to fear here. The nature, just like we had the fires in Australia, mm-hmm. nature does its own natural cleanses every now and then. And it does that. And, mm-hmm. Yeah. And people don't want to hear it, but who's the people that are usually dying from COVID? They say it's the elderly and the weak and the immune compromise yeah, because nature's trying to take us as a genetic pool and maximize that to make sure that it has a chance for growth. People don't want to hear it. I, I Look, I'd love for it to be a full, you know, all happy system, but that's not what I've studied in,
0: that, in 11 that's, years. That's not nature. And, you know, and they, no, they don't want to hear it. And that's where the denial and the narratives are coming from at the moment and going back to the start of the conversation around health and medicine, you know, this is, is what is playing out. You know, nature is a self-correcting system and it, and it will, you know, balance the equilibrium so to speak right that it, it will it will it, and is constantly doing that E-man, you articulate this stuff so beautifully um it it's it's been a um an amazing conversation um what you've developed and cultivated over the last 10 years or your life um yeah, you're really hitting some some spots of articulation and, and what I will kind of you know refer to I guess as mastery in these points. It's it's really a beautiful thing to watch um, someone unpack the complexities of the human experience the way that you are. Um, yeah, it's been um, been a great conversation that I'm sure we could probably just keep doing you know around and around and around like the cycles of life. Um, but I'll, I'll let you kind of keep getting on on with your life, man. So yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. It's it's a real um, well, that's, real pleasure. By the way, I
1: know it's time off because my my uh, feel light just died. So even my feel light saying it's time to go. I got cinematic on you now. I could sense <laughs> it. I could
0: sense the shift was occurring. You got um, That's the self awareness coming back, my brother. Hey man, listen. Um, uh, quantum equilibrium. Um, EmmanuelAnthony dot com. But like, and I'm, I'm sure all the socials. But you know, what are you working on? Where can people find you? Um, because I'm sure post this, there'll, there'll be some people reaching out because it, it just seems, yeah, once again, that you've got a real lock on this stuff and, and yeah, where, where, where can the world connect with you? Um,
1: yeah, beautiful. So they can connect via evomanualanthony.com.au. I'll give you all of the info, so that'll be all in the show notes so they can do that. Um, you know, the best way to reach out is uh, take on one of our complimentary 20-minute discovery calls. I think, for me, everything starts with a conversation it doesn't matter who you are i work with ceos of fortune 100 companies and i work with people that clean the floors within the company um, as well Uh, i work with humanity you know they work in all seven areas of life as we mentioned physical financial mental spiritual social vocation and family Um, a lot of things i'm known for is you know dissolving uh, helping people dissolve depression anxiety bipolar finding the root causes and all those things post-traumatic stress disorders but we work on fulfilling relationships growth business growth financial increasing financial potential there's a range of things Mm -hmm. and resources that we work on so if you've got a challenge you know booking that call because that call just means you and i can sit down as two human beings and have a conversation you can let out all of the major challenges and goals and from there i give you a realistic perspective on um you know it's even myself or you know, one of our specialists but we just give you a, a realistic perspective on where you are now what the end goal is for you in terms of results, and what the time frame of that would be, um, so that we're realistic about results and you getting those. I think that's the most important but you've got a fulfilling life to live, and we want to get you living a fulfilling life, and we want to make sure we 're accountable uh, for the service that we have. so we'll put that in the show notes, and um, you know one other thing that you said that you just want to say thank you for. Uh, you said that I articulated this well. Um, when I heard Dr. John D. martini talk that 's what I thought, and, and when I sat on my bed and said who the hell is going to listen to me? Uh, now I do podcasts probably every fortnight. Um, it's very beautiful to hear that, uh, but I'm just playing in my field. Uh, mm-hmm. That's what I want to say to everybody. I'm just playing in my field. I'm a kid in the candy store in this field, but if you get me onto cake decorating, cooking or anything like <laughs> that, uh, or, yeah, gardening, we all have a genius and we all have an idiot. I'm an idiot in those areas, but I'm a genius here because I awaken my genius in my, my highest values. So I'm, um, you know, as long as I'm doing this, I'm, I'm very smart. Um, but I would say that I have a level of mastery, but this field is never ending for me. I'll I'll believe I'll be doing this till the day I die because no matter how much I know, all I keep finding is more I don't know. So I'm dedicated to continuing to research, write, teach, uh, releasing a book uh, co-authored in as well uh, later on. I think it's next year. I've got to wait before we can make that official. But um, I, I just want to keep sharing that with humanity. So if you feel that what I'm sharing and what I do can help you, come be part of the experience because i'd love to have you part of our company and everybody that works with us they're lifetime members so we just keep giving for a lifetime so their growth continues
0: man i love that thank you so much it was great to um to share some space with you again and, and connect again um and yeah to everybody watching reach out to to eman here and um yeah i'll see you all on the other side thanks again stay inspired
1: love you all thanks son